This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. Be in honesty, please do not put that in. Game time podcast, and we have terrible news. Charlie Daniels is about to miss the rest of the season. Ryan, it's a bad day. Yeah, we're all thinking of him, and we're all thinking of Eddie as well, having to pick someone else at left back, someone worse, probably, because there is a very limited caliber of player that could really sort of fill in. But yeah, pretty devastated. It's it's upsetting for this podcast because now we're not going to be able to shoehorn him into every episode without really trying hard because before it's been seamless. Yeah, now now it looks like we're just forcing it, which was never the case before. <laughs> no, no, never. He, he was always in the in the forefront of, of everything happening, but he is now out for, for up to six months after suffering a knee injury. Um, so, yeah, we, we're going to have to find a new player to talk about Preferably a left back, to be honest. So, um, any any suggestions are very welcome. GameTimePodcast1 at gmail.com or GameTime underscore pod on Twitter. Send us who you want us to now shoehorn into every single episode. This will be Charlie Daniels' last appearance. We hope not, but I, I assume it will be now after that injury. Um, but welcome, Ryan. How are you? Yeah, I think I'll just have about get over it. I mean, I had to stay off work. Um, so hopefully I should be should be just just about in a good mental state to get back tomorrow um, after the news. But yeah, how about you? Yeah, I, I devastated when I read that at the weekend. But you know, we keep going. Boys, we're good. We'll just uh, <laughs> just, carry, we'll just carry on going through. Um, but we've got lots of Champions League action to get through. Some interesting results as well. And you, I'll be honest, all of the ties seem like they're in the balance. And then uh, after the break, we'll probably jump on over to the Premier League to have a look at that. But let's let's start with, can you call this one an upset? Tottenham beating Manchester City by a goal to nil? I'm sure you won't, but some <laughs> No, I think you can. Um, I think if you look at like how good they've been this year and how sort of inconsistent we've been this year, you could definitely say so. I mean, it was quite strange because in the build-up, it was almost like we were sort of on a level a level footing with them because of like people were saying about how the the new stadium is going to give us some sort of advantage and whether or not it will play into our hands over City. But I think in general, I think it was just a very even game and it was just decided by a couple of sort of bits of um, luck going in our favour really you've got obviously the penalty save and then you've got the goal towards the end which could have been easily ruled out before we had VAR because obviously they, they had to check it with the ball going out of play but luckily they sort of managed to prove it was not not out but yeah yeah, I thought it was very good, very interesting game very even game but then I thought I thought we just about did enough to sort of win um, personally but obviously then I'm always going to say that <laughs> yeah. Pro- Proper game of chess sort of football game I thought it was it was a very sort of tactical battle. Like 
There weren't many, many shots on target from either side. Man City, as you'd expect, had more of the possession, but just thought it was a proper, proper tactical battle and, and really leaves a lot for the second leg because 1-0 to Spurs, I'd imagine they'll absolutely love that, not conceding an away goal and taking the lead. But City at home are, are also a very different beast. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm fully expecting us to get pumped about 4-0 in the second leg. <laughs> um, just because, obviously, because of the injuries, which I'll probably talk about later. But, yeah, I don't know, really. I think it was just it was just nice to see us sort of, like, not put our foot in it in, in the sort of, like, what was seen as our, like, big night. Like, because, obviously, the first game back at the new ground in, the, in Europe and, like, sort of people were saying, oh, well, if we're going to beat them, this is our chance, really. So it was good to see... Like after the penalty was awarded, I thought, oh, here we go. We're probably going to lose like two or three now, and it's going to be a bit of a non non event. But we've kept it alive as much as we can. I think I don't think we deserve to score any more than one, and I don't think City really deserved to not score. Um, so we sort of got away with it a little bit in that respect. But yeah, like I say, it does set it up really good for sort of like the neutral for next week. So hopefully it'll be interesting, but I do think City will probably have a bit too much for us. But like I say, we've, we've done all we can at the minute. So that's obviously good, which is like, it's rather they're going there and they're already 3-0 up because then they just completely kill it off. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens next week. Like I say, I'm just pleased that we sort of like gave them a really good game and we've done the, the bare minimum we needed to do really, which is keep a clean sheet and then score. So yeah, pretty happy with that. Well, we'll get on to the injuries in a little bit. Let's let's have a chat about the, the penalty. Really poor penalty from Aguero, I thought. A, a decent height for Hugo Lloris and not in the corner at all. Not normally a man who takes bad penalties, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, as soon as he hit it, it did look like Lloris had dived really early. And sort of like, I don't know if maybe when Aguero sort of ran up, maybe he was sort of telegraphing it to be going that way or whether or not it was just sort of like Lewis just sort of like flung himself to one side and guessed. But yeah, usually you do see him sort of bury, bury penalties quite confidently. Um, I think it was a penalty personally. I know a few people were saying like, oh, I don't know about it because of where his hand was. I think it was, but I think my issue was more with like the VAR seemed to be used for that and then the goal, but then not anything else, which was, I think was quite infuriating, especially with, um, for example, Fernandinho's attempted UFC takedown on Harry Kane. I mean, if you're going to use the AI, you need to use it for everything, even if it means adding 5, 10, 15 minutes to the game. Don't just use it for like potential handballs and then see if check if a goal is on or offside. You need to be using it for everything. So, yeah, a little bit infuriated by that. But, yeah, um, what, were your, what were your sort of thoughts on, on how it went? Do you think that there's any chance that we could potentially get a result next week? You know what? Tottenham, I think, look decent. Like I said, City, I think, will be a different beast at home. Um, and you'd only assume that they'll put Spurs under the cosh. But you never know. I, I You know what? 1-0, I, I, I think Spurs will edge this out. But saying that, no Harry Kane, which we have to mention. Um, he went in for a tackle on, on Fabian Delft and came out the worst and it doesn't look good. You're thinking he's probably out for the rest of the season now? Yeah, I'd be surprised if he does come back because they said it was like they released the update about an hour ago and they said it was fairly um, significant damage to the ligaments. So before it was sort of like, I remember the United game when he did his ankle just before, uh, just after Christmas, sorry. And that was sort of more of a case of like, oh, well, it was a slight ligament issue and this is they've used the word like severe or, or serious 
So you think that's probably going to do it for the rest of the season now. But um, it, I think, again, it's, it's another challenge on how we can adapt. So I feel like sometimes it does make other players step up around um, the team, like Son, for example. Um, I mean, Lorente didn't do a bad job when he was sort of, sort of playing last time. I mean, he's not the same player as Kane. There's no point comparing them, but he wasn't terrible. Um, and then obviously you've got sort of like um, Lucas Moura and Ericsson and people like that. So I think we've got enough quality there to like see out the rest of the season without him. But yeah, whether or not, like I say, we might miss that just sort of like figurehead up front who, who can like hold the ball up. Because I think Ali did a good job of it when uh, Kane went off. But then obviously Ali's sort of broken his hand or wrist. So he might be playing in a protective caster. He might not be playing at all next week. So it'll be interesting to see how we can just the key next week will be just getting out of their territory and getting into sort of like their half for a period of time just to take the edge off. Because like I said, we only have to score a goal and all of a sudden City needs to score three. Mm. So it's like one of those ones where it's like, like we said earlier, we're in a good position, but it's whether or not we can then win the sort of the territory um, and just get them, like get those like break it down like 10, 15 minute periods. Okay, right, we've got to half time, it's still nil nil, or we've got to this time and it's they haven't scored yet. It's, it's that sort of psychological thing, just breaking it down, being a bit sort of like using the, what's called usually called like the dark arts, you know, like time wasting, that sort of thing. So we just need to be a little bit more clever with that if we're going to come out of anything. But I, I do think City will probably have a bit too much for us just because they, like you said earlier, they're just different force at home and, and I think Guardiola won't leave out De Bruyne and Sané then. I think they'll be back by then. Dark, the Dark Arts, also known as shithousery by, by some. Depending um, on, yeah, depending on who you speak to. <laughs> Fernandinho, very much a part of that shithousery with a, a cheeky elbow to the back of the head on uh, Harry Kane as well. Yeah, not, like I said earlier, not particularly happy with that, especially because it came not a million... Uh, miles away from when we just had the penalty so it's like well what's stopping you from checking that if that if if not seeing a, a handball through a crowd of players is a clear and obvious error then not seeing someone try to perform surgery on another player in the middle of a pitch how is that not a clear and obvious error as well but yeah that was a bit frustrating but I, th- I think he had quite a poor game Fernandinho I feel like we didn't let him control the midfield which is part of the reason why we didn't lose I think yeah. but yeah, I think Sissoko and Winks did ever so well. I mean, I reckon, I was thinking about this earlier, I reckon it's a toss-up between um, probably Vertonghen or Sissoko for me for player of the season at Tottenham. Ooh. Just because of, like, you look at like the, how far he's come from being like a, a bit of a joke and, and people really sort of having a dig at him, which is unnecessary as well because it's not his fault we paid £30 million for him. Um, and he's gone from that to to one of the sort of like the most improved players over the last year or so, and he looks genuinely like one of our starting midfielders now because of injuries to Dyer and Wanyama and whatever. But he does look really good whenever he plays. Um, so yeah, I, I would say that he's he's I'm not sure yet, but I think he's edging it at the minute for me. He's come on leaps and bounds, and uh, I think the the switch of of position to play sort of that more. I think that sort of deep box-to-box sort of midfielder just suits him more than when he came to the club as, as a weird sort of right midfielder yeah like I say he he was never he was never good like he's his he's strengths are not actually like crossing the ball or, or sort of like being creative his strengths are like I say he, he provides the energy in the midfield he can push past people a bit like Dembele did not as good as Dembele because no one did it as well as him but he can sort of push past people he can beat 
sort of like people with his pace. He can sort of like play those little simple passes. You've got like Ericsson and, and like Winks and and to a certain extent like Dyer to do the the more flamboyant passing. But he can just he just does like the bare minimum. Like saying the tackle he did to prevent, I think it was Sterling. He was running through on the left hand left wing, and he came back and tackled him in the box. It was a full sliding tackle, and he got the ball really really well and it was just like yeah about 12 months ago that wouldn't have happened that would have been a penalty and that would have been probably a red card because he'd have probably like gone in knee high on him but um yeah yeah like i say he's, he's done really really well and i think credit where it's due really because i did say when when we bought him that i i hoped that he could be as good as he could could have done for uh at the euros in for france and in in periods in, for newcastle but it never really worked out and i was a bit gutted about that but it's i'm glad that he's now sort of turned the corner yeah, no, he, he's he's been a really decent player for for Spurs, and to, to be fair, those those injuries um, ended up giving him his chance. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the thing. Like, it's really good to see him using that chance and persevering. It could he could have easily like we could have sold him to somewhere, and he could have gone maybe back to France or to China, like Dembele did. He could have easily just gone there, but he's sort of like stuck it out. He's proved that he's actually he wants to he wants to play. And, and he's sort of like he's proven proven people wrong, which is really really good, really good character um, trait to have as well. For City, they've now lost their last five European matches against English opposition. Do you think that's going to play in their minds come the second leg? I think it might do. I think I don't think they're in as bad a position as they were last year. Obviously, when they went three 0 down to Liverpool, and then they had it all to do in the second leg. Um, I think it is a little bit... If you can have a go at City for anything, and you can't really for this City team because they, they are generally very strong everywhere, but they do seem to sort of like... They have this bit of a change of mentality when they play in Europe. Mm. And like I say, obviously, they lost to Leon earlier in the uh, season at home. They've sort of like been come unstuck against teams that they should really be beating previously. Obviously, they lost to... Uh, a talented but sort of flawed Monaco team a couple of years ago. They lost to Liverpool last year when realistically they should have battered Liverpool because Liverpool were nowhere near really what they what the sort of team they are this year. Mm. And obviously they, City were on the on the way to getting their 100 points last year. So it does seem to be a little bit of a mental thing, whether it be because they've never won it before and it's a bit of uncharted territory. I don't know. But there is something a little bit different about them when they play in, the, in Europe than when they play in the Premiership. So like I say, it'd be interesting to see if we can try and play on that next week. That'd be really good. Just sort of like put, like I say, just put a little bit of, doubt in their minds that'd be be interesting to see how they respond but like i say the rest of me thinks well actually realistically we're probably going to get beat but you never know like i say the longer it gets nil nil and or if we score then all of a sudden it puts it amongst everyone now but we'll see you know what that means scores on the doors what's your prediction for the second leg oh god <laughs> I think it's probably good. we're probably going to lose. I reckon it'd be it'd be one of those things where it's sort of like so near but so far. It'd probably be like two nil or something like that, or or three one. We we might score and then they'll just score three anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to think we could hold out for and do what we did in Dortmund, but that was that relied a lot on sort of like weather in the storm and whether or not we can weather the storm against City is a different matter, really. But yeah, we'll we'll see how we go. I'm hoping. I'm hopeful, but I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm not expecting much. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I'm going to go with it's going to be. Oh, I'm going to say you're going to. Ed- it's going to be one all, one all draw. Yeah, I'll snap your hand off for that at the minute. <laughs> 100%. But yeah, 
I'm not sure. <laughs> you can you can remain hopeful, but we'll see next week. Right. So we thought we were going to be done with the City Tottenham thing, but someone's rocked up at the last minute. Tom, score prediction. Nothing else. Nil nil. See you later, mate. Cheers for joining us. See you later. <laughs> And Tom will be with us next week. <laughs> how, how are you doing, Tom? Yeah, I'm not bad. How are you guys? Oh, sweet. Absolutely pumped to talk about Manchester United losing to Barcelona now. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did either of you catch much of this game? Go on, yes. Go on, go on Ryan. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I was watching it in, in bits and pieces. Um, I feel like giving the ball to Ashley Young and expecting a cross is not the best tactic even in this year, let alone in like 2012 when it might have worked. <laughs> um, so it was interesting to see how that was sort of like how it was pursued. I think on another night, maybe United could have got a an equalising goal, maybe like if they took one of their chances because they did have a couple of good chances. But I feel like a lot of people who I saw and, and sort of like saw on, especially on Twitter and stuff, were saying that Barcelona got a bit of a battering. I don't really see that angle personally from what I saw. I feel like Barcelona were fairly comfortable after they scored. They knew they'd they'd have to make United come out at them. So yeah, it was one of them. Maybe United could have got a draw on a on a better day, or maybe a nil nil or something like that. But I don't think they warranted sort of like winning. Um, what what about? Did you catch any of it, Tom? Yeah, I think I'd echo the same. I think um, if they had kept it to nil nil, um, I think it would have been a probably seen as a good tactical performance to go to the new camp and, and they only need to, to score to go through. Um, I think in the end, the goal they conceded was a bit silly, uh, poor marking in the box and it was unfortunate to go in off Luke Shaw. Um, but overall, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very weird to hear people talk about how it was such a good performance by United and they didn't even have a shot on target, um, which I think is the first time that's happened since Opta started recording the stats. So, yeah, I think it was it was an unusual game. I think they played very well. I think there was standout performances from Diego Dalot played quite well, and I thought uh, Rashford, although maybe a bit wasteful, was was always a threat. And I think the crossing thing with Ashley Young is, I would imagine they were trying to target Lukaku a bit more, and maybe they felt Lukaku against the centre centre halves of Barcelona might have been a bit more effective in the air, but it just, the quality wasn't there. And to Stegen is so quick off his line. Uh, that it's very, very difficult to catch them out um, with these sort of the long 40-yard crosses, which is trying to be met by a large Belgian's head. So it, it didn't particularly work yesterday, but I, I still think it was a good performance. I don't know if you saw the incident with Chris Smalling and Messi, mm. um, where obviously I think Smalling caught Messi in the face and looks like he maybe damaged his nose or, and, and yeah, messed him up a bit. And you could just see on the bench Mike Phelan going, shit him up. <laughs> um so, that, that, I mean, I think there was a very... I, think, I actually think Smalling played relatively well. I thought Lindelof played very well as well. Um, so, it may be disappointing to have lost or lost the game, but a good performance by United. Yeah, I was going to say, Man United didn't really batter anyone, Barley and or Messi, with the bloody nose and the, the bloody eye. But in the end, it's probably seen as quite a decent result because I think going into the game, a lot of people were thinking this was going to be a massive walkover. Barcelona were pretty much going to wrap up the entire tie in one leg. So United going in 1-0 to the Camp Nou, in no way am I saying that I'm confident that May United can turn this around, but it's not the worst thing to try and turn around. 
Yeah, that's, that's true. I, I agree with that. The, the, the thing I have an issue a bit with is a few people who I know who are sort of maybe Man United fans or people that watch football, and they, they, they act like Man United are somehow the equivalent of like Crawley Town. It might not sound like, oh, they're doing ever so well. It's like, yeah, they do have some good players, you know. Like they, they haven't sort of, they didn't get put into the Champions League by fate or a draw. Like, they, they, did, they, they were the second best team in England last year and, and people do treat them a little bit. Maybe it's a sort of a hangover from Mourinho's time there when he was constantly portraying them as like the underdog. But they do seem like, they, the people were saying, oh, they're having a right good go at them here, like the commentator even last night. And it's like, well, they've had two corners in a row. And it was like when you, you get like a part-time team go to play someone from the Premiership in the FA Cup. It was, it was treated like that. It's like, on their day, Man United have players that could turn up and beat Barcelona. There's no doubt about that. Like, if Pogba's on form and Lukaku plays well and De Gea has a blinding game. And, like, it, I don't know, it's, maybe it's just, like, say, a hangover from Mourinho. It was, I find it a bit weird. But, yeah, I think they did as, as good as they could in given the situation with, like, say, with the, the quality Barcelona have. And they didn't want to let it go, like, 3-4-0 and then get embarrassing. But, yeah, I did find it a little bit strange, like, the way they were talking about it. But I do, I've got confidence that they can go there and give Barcelona a game there. Whether or not they can score and make it interesting. I think they can definitely hold them because they've already done it once. So, like, obviously, the, the, the goal was a bit unfortunate coming off Shaw's sort of, like, leg or knee or whatever it did in the end. But, yeah, I think they've got enough to sort of worry Barcelona anyway. I hope so because Manchester United have now lost three consecutive home games in the Champions League knockout stages for the first time ever. So, we'll hope the away form is slightly better. But I found it interesting as well. Barcelona have beaten... Uh, Manchester United four times in the Champions League with each one of those victories coming at different stadiums. Can you name the stadiums that Barcelona have beaten Manchester United in the Champions League? Uh, yeah, I was going to say Wembley's one of them, definitely. Wembley's one, yeah. Um, have, they, the, the, have they ever beaten them at the New Camp? I don't think they have. They have. Oh, they have? Yeah. Oh, right. Um, so, um, the Old Trafford, obviously, from last night. Yep. And Who, what was it? One more, sorry. One more. Uh, oh, yes. Um, Stadio Olimpico, Rome, 2009. Correct answer. Clean sweep for old Ryan over there. That was when Messi scored that header and everyone was like, oh, he can head the ball as well. <laughs> yeah, so cheers for reminding me about that. that was a, You're welcome. That was a, I remember finishing that match. Um, this what, 2009, that would have been 10 years ago. So finished watching that match, just jumped straight onto FIFA, put... Barcelona on the amateur computer and then just dicked them 17-0 with Manchester United. It's the only way to be. But that, that made me feel slightly better. Um, second leg, scores on the doors. Tom, what are you thinking? Um, I think it'll probably be 2-0 to Barcelona. I think um, if United can go in with the same mentality they had against PSG, then maybe they can get a result. But you'd need to score early and then hope that there's an upset like there was in the last round. I'd, I think Barcelona are probably too good for that, and I think they'll probably end up comfortably winning. Winning is not what I wanted to hear, Ryan. <laughs> um, I think it'll be, like I said earlier, I think I think United will cause them some trouble. I think it'll probably be like 1-0 Barcelona again. I think it'll be like a, a copy. I was talking with 0-0 or 1-0, because Barcelona know they don't have to go that hard in the second leg, because they know they've already done the hard work. So, and obviously they've got other stuff, they've got the league to also to sort of like try and wrap up. So, I think they'll probably be 1-0. I think it'll be close, though. I'll, I'll take that. I'll hmm. take, I'm just going to go with 3-1 Manchester United because that's what got us through in the last la- in the last round. <laughs> they don't even need that many goals. <laughs> no, no. Showing, no, showing no. off. Yeah. 
<laughs> but it, it worked last round, so if it ain't broke... <laughs> That's true. Don't need to fix it. Um, what I am bitter about is Liverpool clean-sweeping Porto, and they made it look very comfortable. 2-0 uh, to the team that are pretty much fighting both fronts, league title and Champions League. A very solid performance from them, and, and two very well-taken goals in the end. Did, did, you really expect, did you really expect anything different, though? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that that's the game where people could look at, out of the four uh, quarterfinals, you reckon you probably knew which way that one was going to go, especially with Liverpool being at home in the first leg. I mean, I was expecting a bigger win. I think on Super 6, I put Liverpool to win 3-0, I think. So I was expecting maybe them to walk through them a little bit more than they did, but yeah, again, it's one of those games where if Porto can get an early goal next week, then it might make it interesting, but I just can't see it, personally. I mean, I know they did they did really well to um they did really well to get past Roma because obviously they they lost in the first leg a bit similar, but it was 2-1 against Roma rather than 2-0. So they've got a job on, but um another thing I wanted to bring up from that is the the handball from Alexander Arnold. Did you see that, Danny? No, I did not see this. So the ball sort of drifts over Allison's head and then it's sort of he sort of like half punches it and he, he punches it basically into Alexander Arnold's sort of knee and it bounces up and hits his arm and it's like a clear handball because his arm's in a weird place and stuff. But they didn't review that for, for the AR and like we talked about earlier for the for the Danny Rose penalty. I mean, where did again, where does this sort of come in about clear and obvious error? I I'm still a bit confused about this terminology with the AR. Like all the Porto players went up more so than the City players did for the um, Tottenham penalty. So it's very strange that that was not looked at. Um, so, yeah, that was a bit weird. And obviously, if that goes in, then all of a sudden it's 2-1. It makes it more interesting. But, yeah, a little bit a little bit weird on that one. I was a bit confused as to why they didn't look at that on VAR at least um, and just check. But, yeah, that was, that was the only sort of thing I spotted from that game. I was always under the impression that if there's any decision inside the box, like a handball or a foul, they'll always check it. So the only reason I can think of is that the referee literally said, no, I've seen it and it's not a handball. That's why they haven't checked it. Yeah, that's the thing. But then, like I say, we were talking about earlier, like, is it a clear and obvious error? Like the, the one, the referee missed the, the, the one for City. Like, yes, it was a handball, but it's sort of also going through like five different players that his hand isn't that far away from his body. And, and City in general, didn't appeal that much for it. Yeah. Like, if they'd have all gone around the ref and sort of like four of them going, no, ref, you need to look at that, then you can see why. But I don't know, a bit of a strange one, really. And especially for the fans in the ground. Like, I know a few people that went and they, they were sort of like, well, we didn't know what was going on. All of a sudden, he's pointing for a penalty. Yeah. No, it, it's an, it's a, I feel like VAR is used differently in European competitions in European competitions to how we've seen it used in, in the FA Cup or we've seen it used in European leagues. I, I feel like, again, this just from seeing Champions League this year, it seems like pretty much any handball in the box is given as a penalty. I've not seen any handballs overturned at, at the moment. And well, I, I didn't see the um, Alexander-Arnold one, but it's going to be interesting to see what it's like in the Premier League next year. Um, Regardless of that, Liverpool still won 2-0. Naby Keita, a man who a lot of people were saying, oh, he's a waste of money, he's not done something, coming up with some big goals. Scored a header against Southampton, the biggest of goals in the Danny Ings derby. And then he opened the scoring in this one. Do you think he's starting to bed down at Liverpool now, Tom? 
Yeah, I, I, I was a bit thoroughly unimpressed with him so far. So I think maybe these are the type of games that uh, Liverpool have signed him for. I think there was talk maybe a few months ago, possibly even in January, that they were thinking about letting him go in the summer because he wasn't particularly fitting into the team. But he looks like a good player now and I think maybe, maybe just a confidence boost he needed. But um, yeah, Liverpool will take all the goals they can get in, in, in these type of important games. Very much so. And, and then Roberto Firmino, was, the goal was really nice. Just slick passing all the way through. And then a very Man City-esque goal, if I can say that, just ends up with being across the box and then Firmino at the back post to, to tap in. Um, have you seen that it's come out this week? I think BBC Sport did an interview with, with its dentist. Mm. Just... I, I saw, I saw a, a, a picture of Firmino before. He, I, I don't remember him before the white teeth, but fair play to him. <laughs> He's gone for it. He's pulled it off. Yeah, and, and the thing is, it's very much a Liverpool thing. So I think Jurgen Klopp and Coutinho also got their teeth done at the same dentist. And Sadio Mane as well. They, they bloody love it. Yeah. This guy must be charging absolute top dollar. <laughs> I, need to, I need to get my teeth whitened. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fancy making the trip all the way up to Liverpool. Um, right, uh, Skip. Danny, Danny, there are other dentists. <laughs> <laughs> Not this one, though. He's, he's special. He's touched Jürgen's mouth. Yeah, what, what, what are your uh, thoughts on, on this one for the second leg? I'm, I'm just going to go with Liverpool. Easy breezy. They're going to score early and then they're just going to sit back and, and win this 3-0 on aggregate. Tom? Um, I think it'll be... Yeah, I think it'll be a relatively tame game. I think uh, there won't be that much pressure on Liverpool. I think, I think it'll maybe even like a 0-0, one all type of draw. Easy breezy. And Ryan? OK, well, I'm going to be the one that has to do it then. Um, Porto, Porto go 2-0 up and then Liverpool get some sort of penalty or something and then win on away goals. Nice. All right. Um, we'll have to look at the bookies odds for that one because that seems like a... <laughs> actually to be fair probably not very good odds with the way Liverpool have, have got decisions this season again not bitter just stating <laughs> just stating just facts, facts. Just facts. Um, I'll tell you one fact that I do know Cristiano Ronaldo 125 Champions League goals bloody man is, is an absolute machine scored the, uh, the opener against Ajax yesterday with a diving header um, and then Ajax got back into it with a really decent David Neres finish as well. Very finely poised game, that one. 1-1. One, one. What, what did you guys make of it? I'm not sure if you caught any of it. Fuck off, Juventus. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I was a bit going to that. I was hoping Ajax was get, were going to sort of put a really good performance in and maybe take a lead to um, Turin. I was hoping for that, really, because, um, yeah, it, it's sort of like they, they seem to be the team that, maybe this year that they're sort of doing what Monaco did a couple of years ago, like we talked about earlier. Um, they're the sort of the team that people sort of like, the neutrals quite like because they play really good football and they've got sort of like a young team. They've got like De Ligt and um, De Jong, people like that. So I was hoping that Ajax uh, could go there with a the lead just to make it a bit more interesting. I feel like Juventus will have enough now to get through the second leg after scoring. But um, interesting to see that Ronaldo is now the, the leading Champions League scorer in um, the Johan Cruyff Arena, or, or what used to be called the Amsterdam Arena, even though he's only played there two or three times. <laughs> so, yeah, that was quite good. I saw that um, knocking about the other day. I don't know if it's two or three times he's played there, but he's, he's the, the highest goal scorer in the tournament so far. So, um, yeah, he's pretty prolific against Ajax, so that's obviously a problem for them. 
bloody bloody loves Champions League football and, and now apparently he loves playing against Ajax. Though to be fair, if you look at the stats, I've never seen a more FIFA in real life stats board in my entire life. Ajax, 19 shots, 6 on target, 61% possession. Juventus, 7 shots, 1 shot on target, 39% possession. Game ends 1-0. <laughs> Yeah, infuriating me. Like I said, if it maybe Ajax could have got a couple of those to go in, it makes it a more interesting game. But I do think, like I said, that that one away goal now will will suffice for them um, in the in the second leg. Shit housery at its finest for Juventus in the second leg. Though we've been here before when we said Atletico Madrid, Atletico Madrid were going to uh, absolutely shit house Madrid to uh, shit house Juventus even to a to a nil nil draw by just lobbing the ball out of play at every opportunity. So. All to play for in the second leg. And the way that Ajax play and the high press that they put on and sort of the tireless energy, do you think you can see them getting something out of the second leg, Tom? Uh, I mean, they obviously beat Real Madrid in, in the last round, so that they're obviously capable of beating the bigger teams. Um, I think, yeah, you, you, I was very impressed with them in the, the round of 16. And even the youth aspect of their squad is so impressive. They have such a great young talents coming through and, Delete. He's gone to. Uh, he's going to. Is it Delete or De Jong who's going to Barcelona in the summer? Uh, De Jong. De Jong. Yeah. So obviously, and I mean, Ajax's recruitment, um, uh, youth team development has been highly regarded for so long. I don't see them particularly having an upset. I think. Um, I, I would. I would. I would put money on uh, Juventus going through if, if I had to. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's again. They got to the final of the Europa League against. Manchester United two years ago, and, and they're now into the quarterfinals of the Champions League. It's just maybe testament to how good um, that Ajax team is and, and the backroom staff they've got at the club. If if I put a gun to your head, a war pistol gun, not a real one, I, I wouldn't do that to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what what would you say is the uh, what would you say is the second leg score? I think it might be more comfortable than I think it might be three one. I think Juventus will will um, comfortably go through. Juventus comfortably go through, Ryan. Um, from a personal point of view, I really want Ajax to go through, just in case if we get through, then we get to play Ajax, which is a really, I'd really prefer to do that than Juventus because I just really don't like Juventus. Um, I don't think anyone does really, in and outside of Italy. Um, yeah, I'd like to see Ajax go through, but I think Juventus probably would just sneak it, even if it just get like a nil-nil, really boring nil-nil draw because that's all they need, really, isn't it? So I think Juventus will get through. I think it'd be a draw, but I think Juventus will go through. Drawing Juventus to go through, I'm I'm gonna go. Fuck it, why not? Let's say Ajax win it one nil. I'm gonna say that, despite the fact that I'm staring at a screen that says Ajax are winless in their last ten matches against Juventus, drawing five and losing five, and following a run of 24 wins in 28 knockout games at home, uh, Ajax are now winless in their last seven matches in at home in uh, European. So, eh, away. Let's see if they can they can turn it around. Dusan Tadic. All Southampton fans will be cheering you on, I'm sure. Um, Right, we're going to head off to the break, but after that, we'll come back, talk about some Premier League action, and we'll get Tom's thoughts on uh, Charlie Daniels out for the rest of the season. Catch you in a bit. That's it! He's got the chance! He's out! He has done it! He is all over! If you're an MMA fan, be sure to check out the new Switchkick podcast. We preview upcoming events, discuss the big UFC and Bellator news, and John from Philadelphia drops in to give us a few betting tips. To listen, search for Switchkick MMA on SoundCloud or Switchkick in the Apple Store. All right, welcome back from the break. And before we go into 
the rest of the Premier League action that we're going to cover. Tom, Charlie Daniels, talk to us. Yeah, it's going. Um, we've tried so very, very hard to replace Charlie Daniels since he becomes the, becomes the Premier League. And he's, <laughs> he's improved every single season and, and refuses to be overtaken by Diego Rique or Brad Smith, um, who now plays for the Seattle Sounders. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a pretty gutting injury. He's obviously been a player that's been with the club throughout the whole, well, since the League One days of, um, throughout our promotions up from uh, League Two. Uh, so yeah, really good for him. I think he's he's old enough as well. It's, these type of injuries can almost be career ending. So you do hope that he comes back, but they've obviously given him quite a long time span. He, they think he's going to miss the beginning of the next season as well. So um, yeah, just hope he comes back fighting fit. And yeah, he's we, there was a talk about recently about of the modern players we have. We have like a wall outside of our ground which sort of has images of some of the best players we've ever had. So young Jermaine Defoe when he scored ten and ten. We used to have George Best, um, Eddie's up there, Rio Ferdinand, some of these great players that have played for us. Um, and I think Charlie Daniels is no doubt one of those as well. So, yeah, well, wish him all the best and hope he, he, he comes back as soon as possible. If, if Charlie Daniels gets on that wall, we're doing a podcast live from the wall. Just screaming Charlie Daniels for 45 minutes. Oh, you, you took the words right out of my mouth, mate. Charlie Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> Set to the proclaimers. <laughs> which we wouldn't be able to play on the podcast, would get heavily sued. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, just backing music. Um, so, yeah, Charlie Daniels out for six months, as we said at the top of the pod, but couldn't let Tom be on the pod <laughs> and not talk about it. Um, so let, let's, uh, let's go straight on into some Premier League action. Going to start down the bottom end of the table. Cardiff City travelled to Burnley in what could be a really massive game if Cardiff could get a result. Burnley are about one win away there from being cluster safe. Um, I think Newcastle, we also talked about those last, them last week, but obviously neither of them um, got the wins last week. Wait, did Burnley win last week? Who did the fuck did they play last week? Yeah, they, they beat us. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah, hang on. So, right, I'll go back and do that again. Um, yeah, so we talked about Burnley needing probably one more win uh, last week. And they did beat Bournemouth. Sorry, Tom. Um, <laughs> um, but then, like I said, it's interesting to see whether or not um, if Cardiff, for example, do win tomorrow, uh, Saturday, um, then it'd be interesting to see if it can drag any other team into the sort of the relegation zone. Obviously, you've got Brighton and Stampton above them just by, well, it'll be two points if Cardiff were to win. But then Brighton and Stampton will have games in hand. So I think Cardiff has to win on Saturday to have any chance because their fixtures, I know they've still got to play Liverpool. Um, so that's obviously there's going to be one game where you expect them not to get any points out of. So it'd be interesting to see whether or not they can get an away win because the away wins have been few and far between recently. Yeah, no, they really have. Burnley have very much sort of dragged themselves away from that relegation zone with two wins on the spin. And like you said last week, a third probably will be enough to do it. Tom, do you see Cardiff posing them any sorts of problems at the moment? I think so. I think um, Burnley haven't got particularly strong home form, so uh, um, maybe, maybe there is an opportunity for an, well, I guess a, a marginal upset uh, in the, in this game. Cardiff's form away from home also isn't great, um, so maybe a, a test for them. But I I, I think if the, if there is going to be a survive uh, a shock this season in, in the relegation map, I think it might be that Cardiff may may look to try, start pulling away. I think they probably need. I don't know if you said, was it three or four wins from the last six games to, re- to really um, ensure their safety? Uh, I think there are other teams in and around that could, that could get dragged into it, whether it's Southampton as well. 
But yeah, I I, I, I watched Burnley play last weekend against, as, as Ryan said against Bournemouth, and they just had a lot more desire than Bournemouth, and that's why they won last week. Um, so if they can replicate that this weekend, then they should be able to beat Cardiff. But both teams are going to be fighting for their lives. Yeah, no, very much so. Only played each other once in the Premier League before. That was this season. Burnley won it 2-1. So it's going to be a tight affair. What What are your score predictions for it? Ryan, let's start with you. I think Burnley, like I say, that they will they will come up against probably a team that's hungrier than Bournemouth were last week because purely because Bournemouth, are, like I said, they've not got a lot to play for at the minute. I think Cardiff, I think they're probably going to get a draw, I reckon. I don't think they will do enough to win because, like I said, their away form is pretty poor. Um, and I think if anyone is going to get dragged into it, it's going to be Brighton. So they're going to have to sort of like Cardiff are going to be sort of trying to match their results. But I think if they can get a draw and then Brighton lose against Bournemouth, I feel like that is enough to make it interesting down at the bottom. If the results go against them, I think that'll pretty much be about it. So if Brighton were to win, Sampton were to win, um, and Newcastle would get a point probably, and Cardiff lose, and I reckon that'll probably be curtains, I reckon, for them personally. Oh, curtains for Cardiff. That would not be good. Uh, some stats before we move on. Uh, Sean Dyche has never lost against Neil Warnock, winning four matches and drawing one um, against the uh, Cardiff City boss. And uh, always a way to get Bournemouth back into the, uh, <laughs> into the mix. Uh, former Bournemouth man Danny Ings is the only player to have scored more goals in the Premier League for Burnley, with Ashley Barnes scoring 10 this season. So there's something... There's something for you just a little bit for, for Saturday's game. Uh, let's move on to Sunday. We're a very interesting one. Crystal Palace versus Manchester City. Now, normally you'd say this is an easy win for Manchester City, but obviously Crystal Palace beat them before Christmas. Andros Townsend, bloody good goal. And City might be having a little bit of a, a little bit of an eye on the, on the Champions League as well. Do we think Palace can, can come up with an upset, Tom? Uh, I don't. I hope not. I really want Man City to win. Um, but uh, I think uh, that Crystal Palace have actually picked up a form recently a little bit. Three wins out of five. They're bloody amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, th- I think there is a chance. I think, like you said, um, City will now be going into thinking about next weekend, next week's game against Tottenham, knowing they have to score and there's a bit more pressure in the Champions League. I still think at the moment, well, actually, no, I, 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 I think that's... I think City would still focus on the, the Champions League this season. I, think, I, I actually think if they had the choice, they probably would choose the Champions League over the league. Um, however, I, I think that City will probably try and bounce back um, as quickly as possible and try and really put the pressure on to Palace early on. And I, I, I hope it's a big victory for them. Oh, it was a big victory. Yeah. <laughs> Not putting any punches whatsoever. Oh, I fucking hope they destroy them. Yeah. I would love it if we beat them. Yeah, almost <laughs> probably love it if they beat anyone right now. Sorry, yeah. that was unnecessary. <laughs> that's what I think the last time we won, actually. Uh, anyway, that's a bad, that's a deep hole I don't want to get into right now. <laughs> um, Ryan, uh, who do you think is going to be the key man if if Palace are going to get something over City? Kamilovic from the penalty spot. Absolute lad, read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I do think if if anyone is going to cause City problems in this running, apart from Tottenham, because obviously they're sort of like close to them in the table, I think Palace's defensive record, I mean, they've only let in 43 goals this year. I mean, they've only scored 39, which is like not great, 
So you, they're running at about a goal a game just above. But considering, like I say, they're a team that's sort of like they're mid-table, they've only let in 43 goals. So it's a relatively good defensive record. Um, I feel like if they're going to slip up Man City, this could be the game that could do it for them. Like Palace don't usually get battered in many games. Like It's very rare that you see them lose like 3-4-5-0. Um, so I think, again, I would echo Tom's point of view. I would like to see City win purely just to keep it interesting at the top. Um but obviously, if they if it is, I think it's going to be tighter than that. It might be one or two nil, or maybe like a two one or something like that. But I think City can, um, City will definitely be caused uh, have some issues to worry about for Palace. Like I said, they 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 can play quite direct. They've got good players. They've got a strong defence as well. So it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a walkover. I don't think. I think it'll be a very decent game, and especially after City's loss against Spurs in midweek, I think they'll probably be raring to to bounce back and make sure they keep the pressure. And they have to keep the pressure on Liverpool. They can't afford any slip-up. Um, some stats for this one. Thank you for mentioning Luka Milivojevic. Scored 10 penalty goals this season in the Premier League. Only one Palace player has ever scored more in a single campaign. Um, do you know who that player is? It happened in 2000. Andy Johnson. Yeah, Andy Johnson. It's bloody Andy Johnson. Yeah. I met him. I met him once. He loved a penalty as well, didn't he? I seem to remember that year when they when they were in the Prem, he just scored loads of penalties. Scored eleven, to be precise. Yeah, I remember. That. I remember, I remember just every every week on match of the day when I used to watch it when I was at school, just like, oh, it's another penalty. <laughs> Am I right in saying Andrew Johnson going to England squad? Yeah, yeah, he played a couple of times. Yeah, he's a good a good forward, good forward. Um, can we can we revisit, revisit? How did you watch match of the day at school? What time are you What time are you at school? <laughs> <laughs> It's classic, it's classic um, Mediterranean schools. So they don't start until two o'clock in the morning. On a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> classic. Or, or it was Sunday school and it was just really early and he was watching like mm. the 30am match of the day. <laughs> I, I found out the other day, um, apropos of nothing, that apparently that's why they repeat match of the day on a Sunday morning. For like people sort of like school school age or like children who can't stay up and, and watch it on Saturday night. No that's way. No, that's amazing. What was the what was the one with Des Lynham on a on a uh, Sunday morning on ITV? Was that Premier what was that called? The Premiership, yeah. The Premiership. And that was the U two soundtrack, which was the yeah, okay. Oh, that was great. That's that it, yeah. Did Matt I remember that... not, not go on for a while? Yeah, it was about three seasons, I think, from about 2002 to four, I think, like that, I think, 2001 to four. Yeah, because I remember that. I remember the first time that started, that, they, they put that on at seven o'clock in the evening on a Saturday night. Yeah. And everyone booted off, I'm like, this is shit. And then they put it on like Monday night and then repeated it on Sunday as well. Oh. In, su- in summary, though, Danny, Andy Johnson did get into the England squad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've gone slightly off track. <laughs> it's the beautiful divergence that the listeners have uh, have come to love. We hope. Um, right, let's uh, let's move. Oh, on. Are, we going in? <laughs> are we leaving that in? Oh yeah, <laughs> God yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a wonderful, uh, wonderful beeline. Um, right, let's uh, let's make a beeline towards the big header on Sunday. I don't think that's a term. I don't think I've ever heard anyone. The big head. (laughs) (laughs) The the Sunday headliner, I should say, Liverpool versus Chelsea, a tasty tie indeed. What's going to happen? 
I don't know. Ryan? Is there any chance at all that Chelsea could get Mourinho back as manager on a one-game loan? <laughs> I don't, think it, don't think it works that way, mate. <laughs> Imagine the carnage just playing like... Remember that time when they, they last played Liverpool at Anfield when they were going for the title and he played Thomas Callas for the first and only time, I think, in his Chelsea career, played like a young Paolo Maldini, <laughs> and then they absolutely jibbed a 2 0 win. What a great day that was! Oh, good use of the word jibbed as well. I've not heard that one in a while. <laughs> Tom, do you see them dribbling a 2 0 win in this one? Uh, I would love it. Uh, I think there's a chance. I do think. Um... That they'll cause some problems. Um, I think there's been so much made of this being, you know, the game where Gerard slipped a few years ago when they, the last time Liverpool had a chance to to win the league, um, and and maybe there will be that pressure on whoever plays centre mid- midfield that day, whether it's Henderson or Fabinho or Cater. Uh, but I think it will be a tougher test, and 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 I think it's probably one of the last t- tough tests Liverpool face this season. Um, so maybe they'll see this as sort of maybe getting over the line. Obviously, despite the fact City still have that game in hand, I think the fact that City play earlier in the day it, it could work two ways. If City win, then obviously there's an increased pressure for Liverpool. But uh, if 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 City do lose uh, or, or draw in the early game against Crystal Palace, this is a huge opportunity for Liverpool to stretch their their lead at the top. Yeah, it's going to be an absolutely massive game, especially for the fact that. Eden Hazard looks like, especially after that goal against West Ham, looks like he's he's back in that sort of form that he becomes very unplayable. Do you think he's going to pose a threat to the um, to the imperious Virgil Van Dijk and, and the rest of the Liverpool defence? I think so. I think um, he he was. I mean, it's weird with Hazard because he sort of goes through these blips. And I mean, there was four or five years ago when he was the best player in the league, and then he had this the, the very poor season. I think, I think it was the year that Leicester won the league. And, and then suddenly he's come back. He came back again. Was was dominant. And he does go through these blips now and again. And, and I think it's usually because his head's been turned by uh, a team called Real Madrid. Uh, but I, I think he this he's he's Chelsea's best player at the moment. Um, he's going to be the biggest threat. And yeah, Liverpool will have to keep a, a tight market, uh, some tight market in to make sure they make, they get the result. Arguably, the Premier League's best player at the moment. Sixteen goals and twelve assists means he's been involved in more goals than any other player this season. Mm. And again, stats aren't everything, but Liverpool have not won any of their last six Premier League matches at Anfield against Chelsea, losing twice and drawing four. So there is history there. And you mentioned the Gerrard slip. (laughs) Yeah, I I do think that with um, the one thing also with Liverpool as well, obviously towards the end of the Tottenham game the other week, um, obviously I know they sort of came out on the right side of that result, but obviously from, as we talked about before, I think most people were pretty um, unanimous in saying that were quite fortunate to get out of that with a win. I do feel like the the atmosphere, especially towards the end of the Spurs game, was very nervous. And I'd say, if that transmits to being on the pitch, then that could cause them more problems than they think. So, like I say, the longer it goes on, maybe with it being nil-nil, or if Chelsea were to get a goal, let's say Hazard, just sort of pick one, uh, pick the ball up and sort of go past three or four people like he did on Monday all of a sudden you can see that sort of crowd, which is often talked about as being like really positive and whatever, that you can see the crowd dying down and you can see it becoming more of a sort of like a nervous thing. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the crowd respond and how they try and pick the team up. Because if something doesn't go their way, 
that could then be the trigger for them to all of a sudden fall apart. You never know. Like I say, it could be an interesting one, that. It's going to be a, I think it's going to be a really close game. What, what do you think the scores are going to be? Hmm. Uh, I think Liverpool are probably going to win, but it's going to be like 2-1. It's going to be very close. 2-1 close. Tom? I'm going to go draw. one all. Yeah, I'm also going to go one all. If uh, if history has anything to say, they drew one all this season, and the last two meetings at Anfield were also one all. So I'm going to go with that. What? Solid. <laughs> Still up for tradition. Long. <laughs> um, right. So that's going to bring an end to our Premier League action. As always, we'll finish it off with some talking points. Does anyone have anything interesting or funny from this week's football to share? I feel like this is an early call, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in there early. Uh, next year's I know the identity of next year's championship title winners. Go on, Chelsea City. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, do you want to? We, I think we talked about this the other day. Um, sort of the way they're sort of playing and and sort of how they went about when they played against Man City and the fact that they play really good football. They won had another really good convincing win midweek against Stoke they won 3-1 and couple that with the fact that they've also beaten um, teams like Brentford recently at home and they've beaten Middlesbrough who are on a pretty poor run of form and everything's sort of pointing towards like people who sort of like know and people who have sort of like seen them play they, they're, they're, they're sort of dark horses for next year um, to be sort of promoted even, even though the season this season hasn't even finished yet so yeah it'll be interesting to keep an eye on them see if Graham Potter can get something cooking but I might um, I might be uh, having a look at that next year in terms of the um, progress they make so yeah one to watch uh, Daniel James's goal was an absolute bloody peach as well yeah he's one of the players like we talked about the, the other week didn't we and, and how they've sort of come on and it, it will be really interesting to see whether or not if they have a full a full year un, uninterrupted and, and now he's they, uh, Grand Potter's bedded in. It'd be interesting to see what happens next year. Very yeah. keen to keep an eye on that. All right, we'll, we'll hold you to that one. We'll hold you to that one. Swansea City winning the championship or playoff, even you said next season. Um, no, it's not- championship title. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. Um, I'm going straight in. Going, going title, straight into automatic promotion. I, I I would like to say that I think um, if they don't get promoted through the playoffs this season, I think Villa will win the league next year. I think that squad is so so deep. And they're going to have such deep pockets this summer, um, especially the way they finished the season. I think there's a real belief that they could go back up. I, I think, if, if, yeah, I do like Swansea, but I have a feeling Swansea may lo- lose, specifically Dan James, um, this summer. And I think I think there should be Premier League interest in Ollie, Ollie McBurney as well. All right. So, does that mean I have my neck on the line with the Championship team now? I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Uh, Middlesbrough to, to get rid of Tony Pulis in the summer and then come up. Nice. <laughs> I thought you were going to go someone really random like Luton. <laughs> <laughs> three, three promotions in a row. <laughs> Current League One team, Wickham Wanderers. Will be <laughs> um, no, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go, I'll go Middlesbrough, why not? Um, right, I'm going to end it with this one and I'm going to play it out loud. Did anyone see uh, Leonid Slutsky um, the other day? He was in an interview and a very passionate interview. Clearly he was not happy with the referee whatsoever. Someone's put music underneath it and it's possibly the best rap I've heard in a while. <laughs> possibly. I've been, I've been listening to a lot of Joyner Lucas recently and this is, this is up there. Um, Look, he's game. He's like, wait, I guess he must be a rapper. 
around in the game because he's only referee. It's players versus the most important people here. He thinks he's not important. I never say that. A uh, man like here in, in Poland never shake hand, never throw, never goodbye, never miss, never explain his mistakes. Or you, mistakes. you get the idea, but yeah, someone someone did that, and it's bloody beautiful. Oh, that's not the end of eight mile. Say it's not the end of eight mile. Pretty much. I will I will pin that to. The Game Time Podcast Twitter. So if listeners out there wanna wanna have a watch of that, if they haven't seen it, they can. But on on that <laughs> note, let's finish it there. Ryan, thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Bye. Tom, thanks as well. Cheers, mate. Remember, listeners, if you enjoyed it, like, comment, subscribe on wherever you want, Apple Pods, Spotify, or Anchor. You can email us on gametimepodcast1 at gmail.com or gametime underscore pod on Twitter. Speak to you next week. Bye.